Did you know you can watch this episode on YouTube? Search for Accounting Influencers Podcast. And remember to like and subscribe to learn even more from the best experts, thought leaders and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights. Rob Brown here with this week's episode of the Accounting Influencers Podcast. I'm delighted to have with me back for the second time, Adam Lean from the CFO Project and Escaping the Accountant's Trap Podcast. Hello to you and welcome. Hello, thank you so much for inviting me back. Well, not everyone gets invited back, Adam, so (laughs) congratulations on that. I feel honored. Well, we talked in the last show about your crusade, your passion, which is getting accountants, bookkeepers, finance types to really step away from the historical looking back type to really supplying business owners with the stuff they really need, which is that forward looking advice and taking action, having an impact and accountability on that advice. So that's in my words, what we talked about, Adam, how would you sum up our previous conversation and the key elements of it? Yeah, that's a great summary. I would say that there's a couple of things. Uh, One, there's thousands of business owners in your hometown that want somebody that they can trust to tell them what to do to have a growing and successful business. And two, that person that they can trust can be you. It could be any accountant, any bookkeeper that has that has a desire to help business owners and that has a basic understanding of financials. If you have those two things, a desire and a basic understanding of financials, with a little bit of training and experience, we can turn you into a CFO or business advisor. We use those terms interchangeably. We could turn you into a CFO business advisor that really has an impact on your clients. And by the way, can help you make a lot more money than you could by just offering tax or bookkeeping services. And this message you're putting out, Adam, the training and support you give people, is this for an accountant that owns their own firm? They are in charge, they are autonomous. Because if you're in an employed position, perhaps you work for a bigger firm or uh, you're lower down the food chain, you don't have the autonomy, flexibility, power to make these kind of decisions on the kind of work that you do. So you're aiming this, I guess, at the smaller firms and and practitioners? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Certainly, it would be easier for the independent accountant, somebody that owns their firm or the principal in their firm, to take this on because they they make the decisions and they can decide to do this. Um, Whereas employed accountants, they're expected to do a very specific role and it's hard to break off and do this. But however, we've had, we have a lot of, a lot of accountants that have gone through our program that say, look, my goal is in six months to leave my day job. And so it's, you certainly can do it on the side. Uh, but it's, it, I mean, I can tell you from personal experience, it's way more fun not working for somebody that, and, and being able to choose your clients and decide uh, and have a major impact on your clients' businesses. Okay. So let's take that CPA, bookkeeper, chartered accountant, certified tax advisor, enrolled agent, whatever it is, they've got a set of qualifications, they've got a set of skills, and they want to scale up their practice. They know that the historical backward looking stuff, that compliance, if we want to put it in that bucket, is kind of a commoditized offering. 
it's difficult to differentiate yourselves on that basis. So how do we start to scale up a practice and wait without working any harder and more hours than I do right now? Where do we start with that? And this, this is the experience of many accountants who want to offer some sort of CFO service. They'll treat it as a fractional CFO or advisory client. Fractional meaning I'm going to take on this client and be their CFO. Well, if you treat it as a fractional CFO engagement, the client is going to feel like a part-time job because you have to learn all the nuances of the client's business. You have to create a completely customized engagement for your client, especially if your client's telling you, this is what I want from you. So you're creating this, this customized engagement. Well, if you have, let's say three of those in customized engagements, what I call a fractional CFO service, that's not scalable. That's not sustainable. And you're going to be, you're going to feel like you have three part-time jobs on top of your main job, which is to do bookkeeping or accounting or whatever you do. And just adding to the international context, Adam, we don't use the word fractional too much in the UK, but we will use that a part-time FD, finance director, or a, a part-time financial controller. So the accountant will have a, a client portfolio and a book of business. And for some clients, they will step up into that role where they work in that business for a day a week or a day a month or whatever it is and, and become that part-time finance director or CFO. So we might look at it like that, but you're right. You've then got a, a portfolio of consulting clients, which is good, but that business you're saying may feel like you're just doing a little bit for them and a little bit for everyone else. And you're saying that's not always a good thing. Well, well, and, and I think the key word to your point, the key word is part-time. So if you have part-time jobs all over the place, it's not scalable and it's not sustainable, which means to grow your practice, you have to either hire more people that could take on some of these clients, or you have to work more hours. Neither, neither of those are scalable. So what's the solution? Well, we feel that instead of having a part-time CFO or advisory practice uh, engagements, part-time engagements, to have what we call a productized CFO advisory engagement. Now, a productized CFO advisory service means that you have the best of both worlds. You're, you're selling a product, but you are charging for it as a service. So you're selling a product, you're charging for it as a service, and you're delivering it as a product. And so think about it. When you go to you know the store and you buy something off the shelf, you know what it is. You know what you're buying. You know from the product packaging that this you know box of cereal has these these ingredients and this is exactly what it looks like and you have an idea of what it's going to taste like when you get it home you're buying that whereas services especially these part-time fractional CFO type services most business owners don't know what it looks like they don't really understand it they don't think they need a CFO anyways they don't even know what a CFO does you know somebody owns a 5 million dollar uh you know construction practice is a construction business they don't think they need a CFO, even though, because they think a CFO is like a head accountant. You know, I'm not large enough for a CFO. There's a misconception, isn't there, about what's involved? Exactly. So you can't just go out there and say, I, I'm a CFO, hire me. They don't get it. So what we suggest instead is to offer productized CFO service and their, your messaging will be all around the specific set of deliverables, the specific messaging. Now you could go out into the marketplace and sell your productized CFO service where you're telling your potential clients, this is what I get, what you will get, and this is what the outcome will be. And if you could do that, then you can deliver, and they'll sign on, then you could deliver your productized CFO service in a scalable way because it's made up of systems instead of systems on a specific set of deliverables instead of instead of a very customized engagement, which means you could have you know anywhere from 10 to 30 clients yourself because in, in our experience, the way we teach it, 
you're spending no more than four hours per month per client. So if you think about it, you could have 10 clients and work 40 hours a week, uh, sorry, a month servicing those 10 clients. You could have you know, quadruple that, have 40 clients work 40 hours a week. And if you're charging, you know, let's say the minimum we recommend is 1500 a month. If you're charging 1500 a month per client and you have 40 clients, which I wouldn't recommend, I would, I would rather you charge more and have less clients. But if you did, that's 60,000 a month in billings for 10 clients or uh, you know 10 clients a week. I appreciate you talking me through the maths as a former high school math teacher. I was about to say, um, <laughs> and I'm not good at math at all. <laughs> I was going to check you working out there and get my red pen out, Adam, but you were bang on with the numbers. So how do I know if I'm qualified to provide business advisory services? We feel that you're qualified if you meet three criteria. One, you have to have a desire to help business owners. You have to care. And this is something that you can't fake. You have to actually want to help business owners. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people that work in corporate America, corporate America, corporate environment <laughs> uh, uh, where they don't really care to the sense they don't have a passion for small and medium-sized business owners. They just want to do their job and, and collect a paycheck on Friday. You have to want to care and you have to care and want to help business owners. So you have to have a desire to care to help. It's a curiosity. Sorry, Adam, isn't it? You, you've got to be curious about how business works as well as caring. Yeah, I think that goes along with caring. If you care enough to help the business owner, you're going to care enough to go the extra mile and understand their business and understand small and medium-sized businesses because that's a different beast than big businesses. You know, these big businesses have thousands of employees and many departments. That's just different. Case in point, I'm going off on a tangent just for a second. I had a client who was the vice president for a large Canadian um, uh, 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 chemical company. They they produced uh, chemicals for your yard to eradicate bugs and whatnot. Anyways, he was the vice president and he was making a lot of money. And he thought, I'm going to move to uh, South Carolina and retire, but I'm going to buy a business. And he found he bought a business and realized that he took for granted the fact that as his by as being the vice president, because he he had all this knowledge and he was very he was he had a healthy ego. Let's put it that way. He thought, I could run a small business. I'm the vice president of this major chemical company. Well, he took for granted the fact that as vice president over his one division, he had an entire accounting team. He had an entire legal team. He had an entire sales team, marketing team, operations team. He had other leaderships, leadership that can, he can rely on. He had thousands of employees at his disposal. He had a secretary. <laughs> All of a sudden, as a business owner, he didn't have any of that. He was everything. He was the chief salesperson. He wasn't a good salesperson. He was a chief marketing person. He wasn't a good marketer. He was a chief operations person, chief, you name it. And he quickly lost his ego <laughs> because he was not equipped to, to handle that. And so if you, and he, he actually became one of my clients, this guy, uh, because the messaging I was speaking to him resonated with him. He was overwhelmed and he was confused. He did not respond to, I can be a better bookkeeper to you. I can be a better accountant to you. I can make sure that you're pro formas are accurate and you have timely statement financials. He didn't care about any of that. The messaging that resonated with him was the fact that I cared about him and his plight. And so therefore he signed on to my CFO service. And that's a lot of what we teach is you can be credentialed. You can be the most credentialed person in the world as a CFO, but if you cannot, if you don't care, and if you don't really want to help your clients and they don't feel that you're going to fail in this profession. So you're going to know if you qualified to be a business advisor, eight, Oh, number one, because you care. What else? Second thing you have to have is you have to have a basic understanding of financials. This is a controversial statement, but I believe a lot of business coaches and consultants do a disservice to their clients 
because they will recommend things without understanding how their advice impacts cash flow. That's a disservice because cash flow is the only thing required to stay in business. The only thing. Who knows cash flow? Who knows how to understand cash flow better than the financial professional? You already understand it. So let's just give you some, which goes into the third thing you need. Let's just give you some some uh, experience and some training on how to actually advise your clients and how to be a CFO. So if you care, and if you have a basic financial background, then we could teach you, or you know, you could be taught how to be a CFO. And with a little bit of experience, you will be a rock star CFO and you'll have a major impact on your clients' lives. Part of building a practice then becomes how do I, A, move my existing client base up from a compliance offering? Or if I'm starting from scratch, B, is how do I bring in clients in the first place and offering them this kind of service? The thing that accountants need to understand is that in order to successfully acquire a new client for your, a CFO service, you cannot speak like an accountant. <laughs> you just can't. Uh, because most business owners don't care about the quality of their accounting as much as you think they should. Um, they're not going to be in awe at what you, a, a traditional accountant, has to say unless what the accountant has to say directly impacts the business owner. That re unless it resonates with the business owner. So we as accountants and an accounting professional, we have to understand what resonates with business owners and what do business, what resonates with business owners? Well, it's business owners want a successful business. And so if you can communicate successfully to a business owner that you, A, understand how to have a successful business and that you understand the numbers and can guide them on helping them have a successful business, they will pay more attention to you with that message than with, I can be a better bookkeeper. I could be a better accountant. I can do your tax returns timely. I can make sure the accounts are the, the bank accounts are reconciled you know, on a regular basis. I can make sure all the, the transactions are put in the right account. And you know that stuff doesn't resonate. That's there, There's a saying that was coined by a Harvard marketing professor. He said, people don't buy a quarter inch drill. They buy quarter inch hole. You've heard that saying before. The, the idea is people that go to the home improvement store don't buy a drill because they want a drill to sit in their garage and, and just take up dust and collect dust. They want what the drill provides. They buy an outcome or a result, don't they, Adam? Bingo. When somebody goes in the home improvement store, they want the end result. Bookkeeping, compliance, transactional stuff, accounting, all that is the tactics. That is the the, the features, if you will. It's the drill. It's not the benefits. It's not the outcome. What is the outcome of hiring you? If all your outcome messaging is, I will be a better accountant, that's a terrible outcome because everybody says that. <laughs> you need to differentiate. You need to resonate with your audience, your business owners. And so a better outcome that they want, that if you say, this is what I'll do by hiring me, is I will help you have a growing successful business. That's a better outcome than traditional accounting compliance or transactional work. And as much as accountants hate marketing and selling, they didn't get into this game to be those people. They've got to sell something to build a practice. They've got to sell themselves. They've got to sell their, their compliance, transactional work. They might as well sell advisory work, which is a sexier sell. It's a more impactful sell. It's a more interesting sell. It's a sell that business owners would resonate with more than keeping them out of jail. So it starts to turn a, an offering into a differentiated, bespoke, impactful offering. That's easier to have a conversation about as a as an accountant or a, a would-be CFO, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's not only easier, it's you can market your services better and you can sell your services better because you're selling something that they want and they care about. So you don't even have to sell. It's like you're in the desert, you don't have to sell. And you have, you go to a bunch of people in the desert and you have a bunch of bottled water, you don't have to sell the bottled water. You don't have to be that used car salesman, if you will. You just have to be there and say, I have water and they will buy it. This is the exact same thing. The problem though, Adam, is that now you're asking me to do advisory services and I can see the benefit of doing that. Can I see how it helps my clients and I see how it makes an impact and I really do care, but I don't know how to price that up. I know how to price my time. I know how to price a, a, an annual set of accounts and management reports, but I don't know how to price advisory services. It's so intangible. How do you get started with that? Yeah, it's a great question. And that's a lot of why we say that you need some training. Um, and of course, you know, programs like ours, we, ours, we train you on how to do that and get experience. But I can tell you that by offering what we call a productized CFO service, you're telling clients, this is exactly what you're buying and here's the price. And we recommend you charge no less than, um, here in the States, it's $1,500. I'm not the equivalent. I'm not sure what the equivalent over there would be to, to that, but but uh, probably about 1,800 uh, pounds or, or euros. I wouldn't even bother guessing given how the exchange rate changes, but we take your point and our listeners can do the currency exchange. Yeah, you themselves. can do the math there. But the, the point is you're selling a specific deliverable and saying, this is how much it is per month. And here's what you will get from it. And by the way, if I don't help you make more cash flow or more profit, that, that than what you're paying me, then I will fire myself. So you put a guarantee on that, Adam, do you? We do, yeah. So you put, you encourage your people to put a risk reversal mechanism into that pricing? Absolutely. And we, we've, to my knowledge, we've never had a client take us up on it um, because, uh, and, and this is sort of a tangent, but because we provide this therapeutic, per, we're, we're this therapeutic person that business owner relies on, even if you're never helping them increase their cash flow, if they like you and they trust you enough to be somebody to talk to every month, they'll pay you just like somebody who goes to a therapist will pay their therapist uh, just to have somebody to talk to. But that's a, that's a side. And it's much easier, isn't it, to sell a product or something in a box than it is to, we talk about value pricing and menu pricing and all of this and package A and package B and that's difficult. It's emotional. Yeah, people buy on emotion and justify later with logic. And if you if all you're doing is selling this, this set of deliverables, this transaction work, this compliance, this bookkeeping, accounting, you know, set of deliverables, then you're relying on the fact that you're you're selling based on relying on people's logic. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to buy your services based on logic. But if you could appeal to their emotions, they will definitely care. It's like, look at the average car commercial, at least here in the United States. It may be different over there. But in the United States, every single car commercial features a beautiful couple with a, a dog in the back seat driving down this beautiful countryside up to this beautiful house empty road no other cars empty, on the road empty, right. right no traffic right and then they don't talk about the mechanics of the car or what the tires are made of or the leathers or the what the engine's components are made up of they don't talk about any of that those are those are those are logical things i mean you know most people are going to buy a car that appeals emotionally to them over than the 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 most logical purchase car to buy and that's and marketers know that that's why they make commercials like that i mean look at any commercial i mean they talk about the they appeal to people's emotions not logic if people if people bought on logic they there would be no debt in the world because you know or limited consumer debt in the world because most people would buy logically they wouldn't take out credit cards and rack up you know 
$12,000 vacations when they have no money in the bank. That's not logical, but they do it because that's emotional. People buy on emotion. So accountants listening, many of them will be in employed situations. They're working for bigger firms. They're working for a principal. They have a job. They don't have a business. They have a job, but they're listening to you talking and they're thinking, I've always wanted to hang out my own shingle and do my own thing and have my own practice. But they're scared for a lot of reasons. They've, they've got to make money to cover their health care and their insurance and their outgoings and their home office and all these considerations. And where's my first client coming from? But you're giving hope here to people that are looking at that to say, I can stop trading time for business. I can swap a job for something more meaningful, but I've got to get started somewhere. Am I reading that right? Absolutely. Uh, the average accountant, at least in the United States, makes $78,000 a year. $78,000 a year. Okay. The point is most accountants don't make that much money considering the amount of experience and knowledge and training they've had. And there's a lot of hours they're putting into earn that, particularly if they're in a bigger firm. That's right. But um, so let's set that aside. Most accountants are making $78,000 a year. If you had an accounting, a CFO or advisory practice and you went on your own, you hung your own shingle and you went on your own, how much would it take to get $78,000. Well, if you're charging the minimum that we recommend per month is $1,500. So let's say $78,000 a year divided by 12, that means you need $6,500 a month to break even to the average account of salary. And you're charging $1,500 a month. That means you need 4.3 clients. So let's say five clients a month to break even to what the average account is making. Five clients. And the average accountant might have a portfolio of, I don't know, 50, 100, 200 clients that they're working with. If you're a tax practitioner and you have 300 clients in your portfolio, you just need five of them to agree to your service. We've And that's the lowest hanging fruit. And a lot of people that join our program, they'll come with a book of business. And this, we had this one guy, uh, he told us, we have this wins board in our program where people post their wins. He told us he, he's been a tax practitioner for 20 years. He sold his business, his tax, he joined our program two years ago. He sold his tax practice book of business uh, last year. And then he is made, he's just doing CFO work. He has made more this year so far than he's ever made in a single year doing taxes. And he's working a lot less because he used to have a ton of clients. Now he has, I think he has about eight clients right now. But the point is to make $78,000, you should see five clients. That when I was uh, doing this full, I run the CFO project now, but when I was a CFO full-time, the, the most clients I had at one time was 17. Um, and I wasn't even working 40 hours a week. And my clients were happy and I was happy. I was making money. I mean, what's better than that? And if you ran an accounting firm and one of your young bucks came up to you or even one of your senior people and said, look, Adam, I want to recalibrate my life. I'm thinking of going out, doing my own thing. Got a couple of clients that are interested, but I actually still want to work with you. I like working with you and your firm. Given the talent shortage there is out there, what scope would there be if you were savvy enough as a business owner in that accounting firm to say, okay, look, I will support you to deliver advisory services to some of our clients. I will allow you to do this and set up your own business within a business and everybody wins. Is that a doable play? I think so. I think the fact that if you have a, an employee that wants to do that, that's, you know, hold on to that employee. That's fantastic. They're thinking outside the box. And also we recommend in our, in our program, we recommend that you as the accountant should be the CFO. But if you want to grow, you could build a team under you and have those employees and train them to be CFOs. And you, now you would be in the mentor role, mentoring the CFOs. That's how you really scale a practice. And then all of a sudden you would have a practice 
of a bunch of CFOs that are all mentoring each other. All of them have their own client base. And that's how you build a very, very nice advisory firm. Adam, this is terrific. I'm going to ask you an unusual question just to finish. If I were to make you head of the accounting profession worldwide, the czar of accounting, it's a global role. You will oversee all the professional bodies, all the networks, associations, all the firms, big and small, the bookkeeping fraternity, all the designations, everything. You are in charge of the whole lot. You are a man of hope and passion. You have a crusade. You want to preserve the integrity of, we call it a profession, you call it an industry there, but you, you want to keep your people relevant. What would be one or two things at the top of your list that would change or preserve the great things that this world is doing? I would say that we as a profession have to shift from being backwards looking to being forward looking. We have to get out of this mindset that our job is to record the past and get into the mindset that we have to be somebody that can help our clients. And I'm talking specifically about business clients, not personal individual clients, uh, helping business clients succeed. Because 99% of all businesses on earth are considered small and they run the world. And if you could help more of them survive, you as the accountant will be the Superman of, of the world. And that is a major, major you'll have a major, major impact on the world. And that is huge. Okay, you're hired. <laughs> Thanks. There's no salary, but it's a, a huge amount of influence. So good luck with that. Czar of worldwide accounting. We we had we use this analogy sometimes. It's the account, a, a, a business owner is driving a car from going, they're going from Los Angeles to New York and they're driving a car and they just want to get to New York. That's their North Star. That's where they want to go. That means they'll have a successful business. The accountant traditionally is the person that sits in the back seat, staring out the back windshield saying, well, 10 minutes ago, you turned on I-20 and, and you're going 85 miles an hour. Meanwhile, the business owner is driving off a cliff. Accountant's like, well, I did my job correctly. No, you need to help your client get to New York. And I know you're joking, but accountants generally, they're good people. They care. They really want to make a difference. They really want to be forward thinking. They're probably as frustrated as, as many others are that they are tied into this reputation of looking backwards. And most of their work involves that. But there is a new world coming and accountants are needed to stand in that gap and look forward and hold the hands of their clients to navigate the complexities of a crazy world. Totally. And that involves looking forward. And if you could do that, if you can help your client navigate the complexities of this crazy world, you will never be replaced by AI. You will never be replaced by an app that connects to QuickBooks. And you will never be replaced by technology software. That is a great place to finish. Adam Ling, thanks so much for your passion and your insights today. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights.